first episode of 2019. I'd like to thank everyone for participating in this with me. I'd like to thank everyone who's been tuning into Metal Matters. Podcast is doing well. And uh, now I have a pretty clear idea about some of the stuff that I want to do when everything went black. And to kick things off, I have my good friend, old friend, Ryan Patterson. I've known Ryan for over two decades at this point. Ryan was in a band called uh, The National Acrobat when I met him in Louisville back in like 1997 when my old band Anodyne was on tour. It might have been one of our first tours actually. Since then, Ryan has gone on to do Coliseum, uh, Black God, Black Cross, and now he has Photocrime. It's a relatively new band. They have two EPs out, Always Hell and Always Night, as well as an LP called Principle of Pain that came out last year. And uh, Ryan put that out on Auxiliary Records, his own record label. And uh, Ryan and I get into all that stuff and more. Before we get into the episode, I'd like to encourage everyone to share this on their social media, tell their friends about it, and also to leave reviews, star ratings, all that stuff on Apple Podcast. That helps everything out. And if you want to support the podcast, please feel free to check out our Patreon. If uh, you don't know what that is, um, essentially you can pledge as little as $1 a month. You have the opportunity to continue or not continue past one month. And as a result, you will get bonus content, which um, you know people that have uh, joined will tell you that it's all pretty cool stuff. So anyway, on to the episode, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So, um, happy new year. Yeah, you too. Did you have a good holiday? Yeah, I did. It was actually really chill. Um, stayed in town and saw family and yeah, it was really nice. You guys wrapped up some, uh, some touring at the, towards the end of the year, it looks like. Yeah. In, um, September we went to Europe for about a month. It was our second headlining tour. And right after that, we did a few shows with Russian circles in the States. That must have been uh, uh, pretty rad. Yeah, it was great. Uh, The European tour was awesome. It was like a big, I mean, our first European tour was the previous fall of 2017. And um, this one was a step up. Like we had some like noticeably better shows. We had a couple stinkers too, but that's to be expected. And then coming back and doing a few with Russian circles was really nice and like super relaxing. And yes, it was great, man. Cool. Before we get into the music stuff, um, I have to say, man, uh, it's been a while since I've actually seen you in person. However, based on the photographs I've seen, you look like a completely different guy now. And, <laughs> and um, you know, I'm, I'm big on fitness and all this stuff. So, uh, you know, good work, man. But also, what, what was your approach, man? Seriously, because you look like so fit right now. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, at, basically in the last year two years like everything in my life has changed right like um i've lost nearly 100 pounds got a new band uh got through that i got divorced like just kind of like everything in life has been like totally spun out and yet there's a lot you know that's the same you know like a lot of you know friends and family and things like that are still consistent of course right but like at at the end of 2016 I was 
I was like over 300 pounds and, and I just like, just could not break the cycle. You know, like for years I'd tried to run and exercise and like never stuck with it and felt insecure about it and, and just ate like a motherfucker all the time. Right. And, um, and so I was like, if I was 39 and I was like, if I don't fucking change, like this is my life forever, right? Like this will be me forever. I'll get diabetes. I'll, I'll have heart disease. Like, you know, and and it, it was weird because it didn't, it didn't feel like it impeded my life, but it totally did. And if, if for no other reason than it impeded, like my brain function and how I interacted with other people. Sure. So, so like the nuts and bolts of it is at at first, I just went to this kind of cheesy little gym in like a yuppie loft area that's kind of near my house and, and paid a personal trainer a lot of money and just started super low you know like just circuit training and right, so right. for a few months i did that and then i started doing a little exercising on my own between that and then i started um exercising more um changing the way i ate like try to cut out unnecessary carbs you know like i generally don't eat like bread try to cut out most sugar you know i was a guy who ate like a pint of ice cream four nights a week you know sure yeah Um, that's a lot of sugar definitely yeah you know i mean i I never drank sugary sodas but i was like completely addicted to diet sodas which fucks with your insulin and fucks with your cravings um so I did that for a while. And then after like four months of that, I didn't, I saw a little bit of change, but then I went to this kind of DIY gym here that does a lot of like, I don't know, they kind of do like movement and obstacle course shit and, yeah. and all that stuff wasn't really my vibe. Um, but there was a kid there who was a college kid who was a new trainer there and he taught me weightlifting. Okay. So we were just, he was just teaching me squats and deadlifts and cleans and like real basic shit. And between that doing circuits and and then shit changed fast like i started dropping weight and i was working out between that my mental state completely changed like anxiety leveled off you know started to disappear for long periods of time like um when i would take breaks to go on tour i'd still exercise a little bit but like during those breaks i would lose a lot of weight because uh, I kind of feel like touring when you're heavy at least for me like I would think like oh I'm exercising I'm lifting gear and I'm working hard on stage and I was but I was still eating a fuck ton of food yeah definitely and, man and not high quality food it's like those exactly you know, like the quick stuff you know stuff totally. you can find at a gas station like chips and exactly. bread and whatnot. yeah yeah 7-Eleven fucking Slurpee every night after yeah. the show and like and my metabolism was was super slow because I wasn't exercising hard other than tour so nothing was happening but now when I go on tour I drop weight fast because I'm working fucking hard on stage sure for an hour sweating my ass off so even with like some basic stuff like body weight stuff on tour I'm still dropping weight and and staying in shape so that's been it eventually I stopped with the trainer um just you know do like do circuit training and and weightlifting um and a little bit of cardio five to seven days a week and then a couple months ago i started doing like pt again with a an old punk dude in his garage like an old guy from from the scene from here he moved back into town and he trains like boxing and and like 
some kung fu stuff, but I, I don't do any of that. I just do like circuit training. I actually just left that. Oh, cool! Nice. Half an hour ago, and, and so he just annihilates me for an hour, you know, in a way that I can't make myself do. You know, like when you get super winded, you you take too long of a break or whatever. So, right. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so he's doing that, and I'm mixing that with my weightlifting shit, and um, yeah, it's it's good, man. It, it you know it it, it uh. It changed my life for sure in like every fucking way possible and um yeah so i've been i've been trying to like talk to people about it like people ask me about it i kind of tell them what i'm doing um it it, it requires a, a huge commitment but anybody can do it yeah well and, you know it becomes more of a lifestyle as opposed to you know i think that's kind of the operative where where people look at it as less as like a dieting and working out as like a lifestyle change you know what i mean totally man yeah it's the most important thing for me every single day is getting to the gym or on the days that I decide not to, forcing myself not to go. Like those are the things, like yesterday I was annihilated and I was like, I'm not gonna go to the gym and it was fucking hard to not go and that's a good feeling actually, like to force yourself to, to recuperate too. Um, yeah, it's like every day my, my life revolves around getting those two hours to like get to the gym, warm up, do my shit, you know, like, like give myself two hours to get there and be there. And, um, it's good, man. It's, it's, it's the most important thing in my life. And like, um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, it's like, I'm sure you've had this too. And probably a lot of people you interact with have this, like, I feel like I'm an evangelist for this or something. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you know, I'm like, I feel like my third eye opened up. I was like, holy fuck. Like, it's so good and I tell people about it and I, and I, I, I kind of have a dream of like maybe one day starting like a community supported gym because I feel like a, a lot of people are intimidated by the, by this kind of stuff or they don't have the money because a lot of it's expensive. Yeah, definitely. And, is. Yeah. Yep. And there's like a, you know, sometimes there's like a, I know a lot of women that struggle with body issues, you know, and, and that, that they're kind of intimidated by the masculine vibe of it. And, and I'm kind of, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of a long-term dream to maybe one day start something that's, that's like open to everybody and everybody can afford to do it. Like there's a dude here who does community supported acupuncture and I've gone there a lot and it's cool, man. It's like when you got money, you fucking pay him well when you don't, you know, you pay him on this lower scale and, and he does like free days he does group days and and i don't know that's interesting to me because i I like with punk and everything i think about community and like the the major failing of punk is that like we didn't all go and become like doctors and like you know like we all stayed as like musicians and and like and and did our own businesses and things like that and it's fucking great but like the to really have achieved everything we wanted through like diy culture we have a community of like, not just tattoo artists and fucking barbers and shit, but we'd have like lawyers and doctors and people like that from our community who could take care of us in a way that's affordable. Um, and I feel like doing something like a gym would be something that is intrinsic to your health and your, and your mental well-being, and can be done for, for very little money, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that's actually a really great idea. And, um, a friend of mine in, in um, does has a jujitsu academy like that. It's all donation based, and um, okay. you know he has like recommend you know suggested 
amounts of money per day or for a year or monthly or whatever. Um, and he's the only school I know of in the New York area that operates that way. And he's thriving cool. and he opened up a second location. He started out in, in uh, Bushwick, you know, and okay. I went there, I went there in the beginning a couple of times, but I, I trained at a different place, but, um, you know, and he's like a top level guy and, and it's the same deal. And no one, you, know, you can go there and train for free, but no one, mm-hmm. everyone pays something. And I think that that sort of DIY uh, community aspect. And, and none of these guys know, I mean, Alex knows about like punk, but most of the dudes that train there aren't guys from, you know, like our scene of, you know, the DIY hardcore scene. You know, they're, they're just right. different people, you know, but they still have that sort of uh, community vibe of like, oh, yeah, great. We have the option not to pay, but we're going to contribute. You know what I mean? And right. it's, it's such a great thing. And I wish more, more places would be like that, you know? And yeah, you know, unfortunately, in a place like New York City, there's like the the overlord of, <laughs> you know, of course, of the, the rents real and yeah. real estate yeah. and all that. So that's that's makes it a little bit harder to do. But uh, it can be done, though, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing here is that the things are still pretty cheap and you can find cheap spots. And I mean, the dude I'm going to right now in his garage, it's like it's one on one. It's low key, but it's it's just it's just in his garage, you know, so it's, yeah. it's accessible and it's easy and. I don't know. It's something I think about for the future. Um, I don't know. We'll see how see where that pans out. But it's 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 a thought that pops in my head a lot for sure. With respect to diet, are you, are you still vegan, or you change that as well? No, I'm still vegan. Um, I just, I mean, I still probably. I don't know. Like I, I just eat better. You know, yeah. I, I try to I try to do intermittent fasting when I can. I've been doing that a little bit. Um, you know, like which is pretty basic, you know, like don't eat after eight and don't eat again till like noon. Um, you know, I eat like super, like super low sugar protein bars. Like, you know, I, I try to eat clean for the most part. I try not to eat like vegan junk food. And, um, you know, I was a dude that just ate like chips and garbage a lot, you know? And, and, um, so I just try to eat better overall. And, uh, but I think that's the other good thing about like weightlifting is that like you're burning a lot of fucking calories. Yeah, so man, you totally. Still need, you still need high intake. Um, and that's good. It works for somebody like me who like kind of wants to be eating a lot. You know, it, like it helps me balance all that, you know. And, and uh, so I don't know. But yeah, I'm still vegan um, for like been vegan for 20 years and like meat free for uh, I don't know, <laughs> 27, 28 yeah. years, something like that. Yeah, long time. You know, the, the misnomer about weightlifting, too, is um, like you, you mentioned squats, deadlifts, cleans, like those big movements like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think that you just got to do mad cardio and that's how you drop pounds. But it's actually the metabolic mm-hmm. gains that you get from doing those big movements like deadlifts right. and squats that actually kick your metabolism up and you actually start burning fat build a muscle your metabolism goes up and you know kicks up your testosterone it's just like an all over across the board positive thing to do for you know physical conditioning you know i'm glad you're i'm glad you started doing this man i was like like i said i hadn't seen you in in person in a while so when i was like wow man like ryan looks great man i'm I'm dying to talk to you about it so i'm really really glad we could have uh 
And I'm glad that it was like a, a positive change. It wasn't just like, you know, Ryan started doing heroin or something like that. You know what I mean? And I was like, no, you know, it, it's funny. It's like some, you know, of course, like in desperation, I'm like, should I smoke cigarettes? And, you know, and you get, you just get like, there's no like, there's no magic touch to it. And, and losing weight was the one thing since I've been a teenager that I was like, I got to do that. You know, it was like this constant goal and this constant thing. And I, I just knew it was like life or death, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah. You know, I was like, it's, I see things in my family. I see the people and I'm like, it's fucking time to do this. And I knew it was life or death in terms of my own mental well-being. I mean, you know, for me, like my weight was like a physical barrier between me and other people in my head. And I still have some of that, you know, like there are things you can't shake and things that you work on every day. But like changing that is like fucking massive, man. You know, like just, just like you say, like having somebody tell you you look good is like, it, it, it's a, it's a major life change when, when your whole life you just are feeling like shit, you know? So I don't know. It's good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally an evangelist for it. You know, like <laughs> you said, it's like, it's like the, the squats and the cleans and the, and the deadlifts, I'm like, do those those big full body compound movements and add that in with other things and you don't have to run on a fucking treadmill for two hours a day or whatever. Like I hate running, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can't, it. man. It's, yeah, it's kind of fucked up my knee and stuff. Yeah. So I don't do much of it. Yeah, my, my joints are kind of shot anyway, but so I I do run a little bit. I go through phases. Um, mm -hmm. but in general I, I kinda like just, you know, issue the uh, the running <laughs> yeah yeah so with uh with photo crime a lot has happened I, I think you and i spoke sort of when the first seven inch was coming out yeah and you know i was like you know really all for it you know because i, I the, the tail end of coliseum i saw i sensed that you were trying to go in this direction but you're sort of carrying the baggage of a band you've been doing for at least, what, a decade, right? Coliseum yeah, around. Yeah, 12 years. Yeah, 12 years. Yeah. You know, so there was a lot of this, um, you know, baggage, uh, positive and negative, of expectations of, of people wanting to hear a certain thing. And that can all oftentimes be a barrier for change and growth. And, I, and I've, I've always sensed that you had the stuff that you're doing with Photocrime was like creeping its way into what Coliseum was doing. But I also sensed, especially in those last couple of tours, a lot of frustration. And we, I mean, we talked a little bit about this, but um, I'm just really excited to see how things have kind of blossomed in the last couple of years for Photocrime. Thanks, man. Yeah. I mean, there was certainly that. Like, I, I probably, this is kind of my thing I, I nailed down, and I probably said this last time, but... You know, a long-term band, it becomes like a, a ball and chain, like the, the history of a band. And to, to drop that is really nice, but really hard. You know, I mean, a lot of doors were open for, for Coliseum, even if we were a small band that aren't open for Photocrime. And a lot of people that were friends and supporters of Coliseum dropped off for Photocrime, you know, and a lot of like true friends are still there and things like that so you see all that and it's interesting it's it's like it's a sociological experiment in a way you know yeah. to kind of see how things are perceived and but yeah i mean i think more than anything i just needed to clean the slate sure and not be frustrated 
um, we'd done so much and there were just basic things in terms of like uh, ease of ease of bringing people to show or like getting tours and things like that with Coliseum that just couldn't happen and we never achieved and it was really weighed on me I couldn't see the good uh, that the band did and now I can now I'm like oh it's this great thing and I'm really proud of it and I'm happy about all the music we made and all that um, and so for photo crime like you know it's still a challenge to, to remain clear headed and have perspective about things but like it's just nice to have a clean slate and do whatever you want and um, I feel no expectations and I just I'm just going to do what I want to do and for the most part it's it's going pretty good yeah definitely at least from my perspective it seems like it's going really well um so you have the two eps and then last year you had that you had the lp that came out and yeah that you you released out with auxiliary records yeah i mean i you know to be quite honest i couldn't find anybody to put it out in the states um you know i ask a lot of labels ask all the friends i'd worked with before and, and you know that was one of the frustrating aspects um i don't know if it was the change in sound or you know stylistic tastes or how difficult and different things are in the world of music right now but i was just like the record was starting to get old because i recorded all that stuff when i recorded the seven inch i recorded it all before we played a show so i was just like fuck i want to get this music out there um but it, you know in europe a, a great label called golden antenna mm-hmm. put it out and they did a great job with promoting it and, and distributing it and so in Europe, things have been going pretty good for the band. Like we're going back in March, and um, honestly, at this point in my life, like I, I want to succeed in the states, and I'd love to like have the band kind of get some headway here that, that we haven't gotten. But really, if, if I get to go tour Europe every year or every two or three years, that's pretty rad. You know, yeah, like totally. That's, yeah, that's like all I want. It's it's it's. I enjoy being over there. It's it's a nicer environment, and it's uh, it feels like more of an adventure, and um, so that that's kind of my goal right now, and I've kind of been focusing on that, and trying to let things go that I don't have control of, and just just do the band, you know, take the opportunities that come our way. But it is pretty cool that, um, you know, that you're, you're still, it's a total DIY, like, sort of endeavor, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. you know, you're, you're releasing things when you want, uh, you know, you're making your own schedule, and um, you can spend as much or as little time as you want on recording, you know, and that's, you know, what, you know that's, it's like a, a really free, I imagine it's like a very freeing environment to be creating in, you know? It is for sure, man. I mean, just like on a stylistic level, it's it's like I can just do whatever I want, and um, and I felt that with Coliseum too. But of course, like you said, there are those expectations. So, and then that history. So with this, I don't feel like I have to prove myself. I just want to write songs that I like, and I feel like with this general. Um, like vibe that the photo crime has has with you know post-punk or you know synth kind of stuff all that kind of thing like i feel like it's a pretty wide scope yeah Um, definitely you know so like it's it it feels freeing to me um and it feels right it feels natural like it's the it's the easiest singing i've ever had like it just feels really good and i'm actually like for the first time ever like when we play shows 
I like kind of vibe out of my voice and like really enjoy singing, which I haven't. It was always singing was always kind of a struggle with Coliseum. Um, so it's, it feels really nice to enjoy that and feel relaxed about that. It seems like in the last few years, uh, there have been, there, there sort of is this kind of like new, you know, dark wave, uh, post rock, post, uh, post punk, uh, you know, kind of vibe that's been going on. There just seems to be a lot of bands doing that. So it's, um, you know, I mean, like a band like Hyde, which is like a electronic band. Like I, I can imagine Photocrime, you know, playing with Hyde and like touring with them and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, there definitely seems to be doors, like doorways that can open, you know, at least it's not like you're playing like ska in like 2019 or something like right. that. Right. Yeah, you know? totally, man. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff happening and like a lot of great bands and yeah, I mean, I, I, there's music that I'm really digging. It's funny, like a guy from a label in Europe came to one of our shows and was like, you're always ahead of, ahead of the times, you know, like Coliseum was like too ahead of its time and, and now you're playing post-punk when post-punk will be big in five years. And I thought it was really funny because it's like, I'm sure there are plenty of people that think I'm jumping on like a, a bandwagon with this because there are so many people doing this too. It, it's perspective is so interesting, but yeah, I think it's like a really fertile time for this and with cool labels and cool bands. And, um, and I think what we do is like got our own niche. I don't think it's like, I'm definitely, there's nobody that's like current that I'm trying to, to ape or whatever. So I think there's a lot of cool shit happening. It's a good time for it for sure. Well, well that, that's sort of the pitfall that a lot of these other bands fall into where it's like, you know, you, especially, you know, if you're older like me and you, where we have all the records and stuff and it's like, okay, cool. Right. This sounds like, you know, like new order or, you know, uh, I can pick out certain, you know, certain riffs and certain like vocal melodies and things like that, that are very right. much taken from, you know, Peter Murphy or, you know, you know, yeah. Carl, Carl McCoy or something like that. So, I mean, when I listen to photo crime though, it, it's, it's mainly, I just hear like you expressing yourself just like in a, in a way that I'm familiar with. Cause like I said, yeah. there was already a little bit of that towards the tail end of Coliseum. And this just seemed like a more developed, uh, chapter, like in that, you know, creative sort of vibe, you know, that's great to hear. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny with a band and I think, um, you know, I released the Always Hell single first because I thought that was the most like guitar rock oriented song. And it was like, okay, this kind of bridged the gap if you're a Coliseum fan, but it was also like for sure the most like Sisters of Mercy kind of yeah, song. And yeah, so definitely. That's, that's something we've been tagged with. And so I hear that a lot and I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. I mean, of course I love Sisters of Mercy, but like, I don't think the LP has much of anything to do with Sisters of Mercy. Um, sonically but you know we have a drum machine and and you know dark you know low vocals and things like that and and so that's fine but yeah I, I it's it's really nice to hear that from you and from people that like know what I've done as a songwriter that this isn't like I didn't go like discover some record and say oh I want to do this it's like in some ways you kind of end up going back at least for me I feel like I reached a point in my life and since then I've kind of been going back more to the things that are like deeper in my DNA as a music fan. Like with Coliseum as we went on, I felt like I got a little more back into like DC stuff and mm -hmm. like alternative rock that I grew up listening to. And with this, like, you know, a major touchstone for me is like 
like Depeche Mode, which was one of the bands that like I absolutely loved when I was a kid, you know, really young. And so in a way, it's like more of the sounds that I grew up with, like the sound of an analog synthesizer is like just feels so good to me, you know, whether it's like uh, from like a, I don't know what, you know, from like a really obscure French minimal band or from like Duran Duran or something. You know, it's funny you speak of Duran Duran because that was a band when I was a kid. I definitely uh, was, that was a band that I liked, but like I was also uh, uncomfortable with telling my friends that I liked the Duran Duran because, <laughs> right, of, right. you know, you know, it wasn't Black Flag or the Cro-Mags or something like that. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. Yeah. And you know what band I always really dug from that era was Flock of Seagulls. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I, when I, I remember, this kid that I went to high school with, this dude Roger, we used to go to midnight movies occasionally. And I remember like we went to go see The Song Remains the Same and we got there early. And it was like me and him and then like a couple other people and the, the actual legit movie schedule had ended and there was like 20 minutes or so they were cleaning up the theater. And the projectionist played the entire uh, Flock of Seagulls record with nice. um, Iran on it over that uh-huh. big, you know, theater PA system and everything. And I was like, wow, this is like pretty cool. Um, you know, at that point, I was like, you know, just dipping my toe into like uh, New Wave and all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, in that band, like, you say you like that band these days and people are like, oh, who is that? Like whatever, you know, yeah, they have like right. the funny haircuts and all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. But they, they had some great songs, I thought. And absolutely, man. You yeah. know, and some ex- the extended like 12 inch versions of some of their songs have been really cool, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that was a great time for music and I'm happy that I grew up hearing that stuff. Like, I think there's a lot of like that new wave and 80s pop stuff like you know like the tears for fears hits and shit like that that's like really great music to me and 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 stands the test of time and it's not it's not crap it's like it's like well thought out serious music you know that comes is is a step away or two steps away from punk and post-punk um that's meaningful to me you know the one sound that i love and the main reason that i use a drum machine and photocrime is like i love gated reverb drums oh yeah you know definitely. like yep. whether it's on like a bad brains record or or killing joke or like i've been kind of on a peter gabriel kick and then kind of getting it like a little bit of like phil collins solo record kicks because like those drum machines they use and those gated drums they use are just like fucking awesome like it's just a sound that that i grew up loving and that i want to hear in my music and you can't really replicate that no, the only live way drummer. Yeah, the only way to do it is use a drum machine or you know, some right. sort of sequencer right. like that. Exactly. So, um, so that that's something that I that just is is nice and comforting to me, and and I really wanted with my music. I feel like pop music in general from the '80s was just a step above where we're at right now. I mean, you know, even the stuff like I mean, I've always been a big Madonna fan, and especially yeah. like that early like Borderline and you know those tracks. Um, right. You know, and of course, Prince. I mean, Prince, I think, 
you know, stands the sort of, he, he's like a hall of famer in my opinion. You know right, what I mean? For and sure. He transcends like the genre. I mean, I think people that like all kinds of music enjoy Prince, yeah. but, but they're really, the things that, that come across today as like pop music and whatever is there just, there just isn't to me. And this is my old man opinion about this whole thing of there, there just lacks like a certain depth. I think that some of those earlier artists had, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I honestly am like so disconnected from pop music currently that I don't even know. It's like I, I, you know, I heard, you know, when I hear something like recently, like there'll be some artist that I've heard the name a million times and I hear it, I'm like, oh, okay, that's that. Um, so I don't really know. I mean, I, I'm sure there are like artists that are totally autonomous and creating their own thing, but. Yeah, I mean, my perception as an outsider seems that it's all very much like about marketing a product, making something that's that's sure to sell versus like, I don't know. You know, I mean, I grew, I loved Huey Lewis when I was a kid yeah. and like, you know, and that shit is like cheesy as fuck, but like it still has a feeling of like, this is just a band writing some songs, you know, and uh, even though they're pop songs and I know they wanted to make their next record sell another million copies but like it still feels like sincere like just people making songs they dig so i don't know but. yeah no it's uh, that's that's you know basically you know i, I agree with that 100 percent. yeah you know? uh it's funny a lot you know a lot from uh from dialect uh do you know do you know him i don't know him well he used to he's not in dialect anymore but um, okay he's he was the kind of the man behind all the producing of that and you know he did yeah. all the the beats and the crazy synths they had and i um i, I spent a lot of time with him uh, a couple of years ago because I, I appeared on a record that he produced and uh, okay and i've known him for years anyhow just from being in the you know new york new york new jersey tri-state area right um but he turned me on to a ton of like underground hip-hop and r&b that is pretty challenging um like you know the the vocal stuff i don't really get into it's like you know the vocoders and you know the mm -hmm. lyrical stuff's not really in my bag but the beats and the the sort of synths and the, the instrumentation behind that the songs it's like it's almost like yesu with like hip-hop or something like okay. that it's yeah. like really yeah. interesting and that is interesting. some of the artist names are escaping me but but then again it this isn't big you know High, you know, high sales material. This is stuff that's right. real street level that's happening where, you know, it's literally, I mean, he can, actually, I should have him as a guest uh, and he can explain all this stuff. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, there, there is some stuff out there that it, it kind of um, sneaks by people because it is so underground and like, a lot of the a lot of these these tracks are literally just the artists on their YouTube channel putting it out. It's not even like records anymore. You know, it's like this right. whole other like culture culture of you know social media and YouTube and all this other stuff. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, though. you know, it's not really yeah something I know much about though. Unfortunately, right. I mean, I find that exciting. Uh, I think like you know, like my knowledge of music at the moment a lot of times it's based on like what my friends are doing or yeah. what i see on tour you know and there are certain labels i follow certain bands i follow but like I, you know someone asked me in an interview the other day what i thought about like louisville's diy scene and i was like you know i'm not i'm not qualified to comment on exactly what's going on because i'm 41 years old and yeah. I'm in a band that my my function is to go on tour you know my function is not 
to operate in Louisville. It's it's to to expand outward, and that's been my my goal for a long time. But I know there's something good happening. I know there's something important to be younger people, and like that's exciting to me. Like I, I even if I don't fucking like it, like it's exciting to me that there's somebody making something they're passionate about. And that, that goes for like hip hop or anything like, you know, I'm like, I may not be no expert and I might not dig the sounds when I hear them, but like, it's fucking exciting to me that people are pushing boundaries and making new shit that like, even a dude like me, who's 40, who feels like he's in touch with music. It's like too much for my old brain, you know, like, I think that's kind of fucking rad personally. Like yeah. music kind of should be like, like should make people of a certain age make their skin crawl a little bit like that's fucking good that's like that's what my music did when i was a kid and, and i'm hope kids do that forever yeah i have to keep reminding myself of that you know because I, I fall into that trap sometimes too where it's like you know it's like not something i'm necessarily comfortable with initially i'm like oh well, i can get critical and but then again i have to remember that uh, my parents didn't dig uh, you know, listening to Saccharine Trust and like, you know, Cusker exactly. Do and stuff like that when I was like, you know, 16, you know, and getting crazy haircuts and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny, like uh, a guy that works part time with me, a shirt killer, he he was there the other day and he kind of took over the Bluetooth speaker while he's doing some stuff. And I don't know what he's listening to, but it was like instrumental technical death metal, which is like not my thing at all. And it was kind of like you know, kind of making me a little crazy. I was like, fuck, like, <laughs> you know, I just like, like tech, really technical music is like really annoying to me. And I was just like, kind of reaching the point where I was like, man, I, I can't really hear this anymore. And then I didn't say anything, but he was like, okay, I'm done. You know, listen, whatever you want. And I put on born dead icons, which to me is like this really wonderful, soothing. Sound. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know what? This is like a raw, DB record recorded on a track with like a dude who sounds like he just ate a light bulb, you know, like, but to me it's so melodic and palatable. And, you know, it just, it just had this little epiphany of like each one of us have these things that are like so good for our ears that to other ears might just be total garbage. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's true. And I try to keep that in mind. I try, I mean, my days of being extremely harshly judgmental about music are kind of I don't know, mostly over. It's like, I know what I like and I seek that out and I'm not trying to like shit on something that somebody else likes because it's just, just because it doesn't speak to me doesn't mean it's garbage. Yeah, that's well put, yeah. definitely. So you mentioned that the LP and all that, all that material is all written at the same time you were saying. Uh, are you, yeah. do you have any new material that you guys are currently working on? Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm trying to write the next record. I actually just kind of like rearrange my recording setup because I have a practice space, but I always kind of like set up all the keys and all that shit and, and the little recording station and then have to break it all down. We practice. So I can just kind of set everything up in a different area that, that makes it all accessible to me immediately. Um, and I have a lot of ideas and a lot of like sketches and a lot of bits and pieces, but I, you know, I'm trying to get in that mode like i i generally write songs every day like basically since i don't know 2008 or 9 i when i write music i try to write it in the 
like very structured schedule kind of vibe like I, I, you know, I read about Nick Cave and he treats music like when he's writing music it's his job right yeah I mean, which it great. literally is but like he gets in, he goes down to his office and he's there all day and for a long time I was really into this power pop band called the New Pornographers and their lead songwriters like I write music every day you know that's what I do and so when I was really when I'm really fruitful writing music that's what I do I but my my work scenario with my business has been like really overwhelming for a couple of years and it's just been like you know I can't complain because I still have like a, mostly a free schedule but like it's been a lot of work and I haven't had as much time to be creative and we've been touring and stuff like that so I'm trying to like hunker down and get into it like move on to the next thing like I have I write I mean maybe everybody does this I write tons of notes about like you know this this sound triggers a thing or this idea or this this theme this line this lyric this everything so and then I just start going through that and like and whittling down the ideas and pulling them all out and I see music kind of like I see the artwork I do like I just see it as all like it's puzzles that you assemble and all the pieces are just out there right like with a collage like you keep finding the pieces until they fit and they look right to me and with music in a way it's the same thing it's like where's this drum beat that really works for me or where's this drum sound or where's this guitar line and you just kind of keep piecing it together and structuring it into a song structure and then it 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 shapes a full picture and so that's kind of how I see it like I just have to like sit down and diligently work to assemble the puzzle yeah um, you know I guess that's everybody but like that's that's kind of what I'm preparing to do in full force right now um, and I'm, I'm doing a tour in uh, in March in uh, in Europe and this band crippled Black Phoenix from England oh I know them yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're cool. Uh, really, yeah, really good people. Played a few shows with them last time. Them, a band called Soft Kill from Portland, who are really good, and, and we're the opener. And it's like three weeks, and it ends at Roadburn, and it should be really rad. Um, and I'm going to do that tour solo. Um, really, really. Yeah. So basically, like, it's a nightliner tour. The money is shit. Um, and you know, my bandmates, I pay them, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 the band is me and they're in it, but like, you know, they've, they've got a bottom line they have to reach in order to like make their mortgage, you know? So, yeah, totally. um, where for me, like my whole life is revolved around playing music. Like as long as I don't go, as long as I don't end up homeless, like I'm going to play music, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, that's like, that's my thing. Like i I work to, to make music. And so for me, like if I lose money, it doesn't fucking matter to me as much as long as I can eventually pay it off. Um, so anyway, so yeah, like nobody, it just didn't work out. Like for anybody to do it, the money wasn't good or their schedules didn't align or, you know, they'd just taken off work to do the last tour and they're like, I can't go back again so quickly. Um, so, I was going to have some people from Europe fill in and a couple of them didn't end up working out with schedules. And I just thought, I'm just going to fucking do this alone. That's you know, cool, like, man. That's really like, cool. I, I, there's a lot of people that 
in our, I mean, there are people in currently in the realm of music I make that do it alone. There are big artists like fucking St. Vincent. She's been doing her tours alone on stage. You know, there are people like, I don't know. I mean, even though suicide is a duo in a way that's like super stripped down and, you know, both of those guys had done music where they were alone on stage and I've never done that. I've never stood on a stage alone and I'm like, I'm going to fucking do this and I'm going to make it work and I'm going to write a few new songs to integrate into the set to, that kind of feature that and then also make the, all the other songs work that I want to play and challenge myself to be a performer that, that is, has enough of a, I don't know what, you know, presence to, to make it interesting, um, for people to watch it. So it's like nerve wracking, you know, there's no, nobody else to, to take the, the gaze, you know, away. Yeah, like, no, that's, that's really cool, man. That, that's a yeah, challenge if, if I can say, say, so it's, um, for sure, man. How are you going to do that? I mean, like, I mean, tech on the technical side, like what, what are you doing to do that? That's what I'm really interested in, honestly. Well, I mean, basically it's like, it's maybe, finding some slightly different not arrangements of the songs but arrangement of the tracks like you know there are drum machines and there are some layered stuff already in the backing tracks Mm -hmm. and so maybe i put bass back into the backing tracks or maybe i focus on bringing the synth up a little more and there are a few songs that i just sing lately and i'm like okay maybe i'll play guitar on those or play keys and you know, it's a world now where people play the backing tracks all the time. It, I made that fucking music. It, like, I'm there to perform, to give you a visual representation and a sonic representation of, of my voice and my the music I made. I'm there to share it with you. And I don't, nec- I don't, you know, I don't feel like it all has to be created in the moment. Um, and so that's that's what it'll be. You know, it'll it'll. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, you know, I'm kind of like, if I do a song that I just sing, is that like karaoke? And I'm like, no, because I fucking wrote that song. Yeah, totally. You I mean, I, like, I, I'm singing the song. I agree with that 100%, especially it's, since that's, this is something that in my, in my own creative endeavors we're, we're attempting to do with this next batch of material we're, we're working on as well. But yeah, that that's great, man. That's really cool. Yeah, so it's been interesting, man. Like, this is actually the first, this will be like the first public said that I'm doing that and I've had interesting reactions of people that are like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. You can do it. People that are interested and then people that have told me not to do it. And you know, and I'm just like, music's about taking risk. Like there are plenty of people that probably told me I shouldn't play with a drum machine and, or shouldn't play without live drums. And I've had people ask like, Oh, well, you know, you, could your drummer not make it you know like and i'm just like no man this is what it is like so i just think music and art is about like just jumping off a fucking cliff you know i I think that's always what it's been about for me is like can i do this can i accomplish this and so this is another thing and it's another level of autonomy um kind of what you're saying about the diy aspect of the band of like I write the fucking songs, I perform the songs, I release the record. Like, now I have the ability that if nobody else can do it, I can go play the fucking show. And it'll it'll be good. So, I don't know, it's interesting, man. It's it's scary, but that's that's why I'm drawn to doing it, I think. 
That's great, man. So, so I take it you're playing Roadburn too. Yeah, I'm playing Roadburn. Yeah, that that's a that's exciting, man. Because I, I we played Roadburn twice, and I, okay. I fucking love that festival, man. It's such a great time. It's like the most well-run European. I mean. Uh, it's it's like the the most chill European festival, you know what I mean? As far right. as like good energy and like you know Walter's like such a great guy and and it's it's comfortable because That's some cool. some of these fests like I, we played Hellfest last summer and it was like like well run, but it was just like chaos though, you know what I mean? Yeah, and um, you know just too many people and I think they actually undersell uh, the the venues at Roadburn. I think I was talking to Walter about this a few years ago. How his he's more interested in people having a good time, and he chose he chose to sort of keep a a handle on how many how many tickets are sold, like not just That's cram really cool. as many people as possible in there. Right. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited, man. It's a, it's a you know I always wanted Coliseum to do it, and the opportunity never came, and so for Photocrime to do it and do it early on, and like Walter came, it's been at least to one of our shows and, and dug it. And so, yeah, it's good, man. It's, it's, it's a nice stamp of approval. And I don't know. I mean, I've had people tell me that it's, it was kind of a turning point for them. So, and not that I'm like expecting it to be like our, you know, a grand change in our trajectory of our career, but like, I'm just excited to do it. You know, I think it'll be fucking cool. Yeah. It, it definitely appeals to a certain type of uh, person too, which is cool. It's not like, you know, you're going and it's all just, you know, kids into death metal or kids into this. It's like people who can appreciate, I think just primarily because of the, the uh, diversity of the bill. Um, right. You know, like the year, the last year we played, you know, Fields of the Nephilim played, there was Goblin. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, Sleep played. Um, you know, it was just a really that band Urfaust played from my, you know, and just a very diverse, but there is, there is like some, some, you know, thread that connects to all of those bands in some way. Right. And it's, um, and that's the kind of people that go to the show, the people who appreciate when there's more of like a, a creative element underlying everything, be it, you know, black metal or, you know, dark wave or electronic music or, you know, soundtrack stuff like Goblin. There's like, there's definitely like a line that connects all those bands. And that's why it's really cool to go there. And that's why like, you know, people who may not have gone out to see you play your headlining shows will, you know, well, they'll, they'll check you out at Roadburn and then there yeah. you go. And that's how you get, you know, new people into your thing. It's cool. Right. Yeah. I'm excited, man. Uh, it, it'll be really cool. You know, Walter's just one of, one of the good guys over there for sure. You know what I yeah. mean? Like he got, you know, you were saying he's been to your shows. Like he's always sort of in the know about what's happening. And like, you know, if, if there's some new thing happening, that's like cool. Like, you know, he, he knows about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, yeah, I've always had a great time there. It's like the last time we were there it was a little stressful just because there was like a lot of press I had to do that day. And it okay. was just kind of like I sat in a room with these people for like two hours or something like that. And I was looking <laughs> at my watch the whole time because I was like, man, it feels like a Nephilim were playing. And I'm like, I got to see them. And I was just hoping right. I didn't, you know, miss that, you know. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's that's awesome. Man. I, that's that's really cool. Now the um, the label that you guys work with over in in Europe uh, is that is it like a licensing deal with them or are you signed to that label or yeah it's just a licensing like they put out an EP um, in fall 2017 
this called Always Night that has the Always Hell single on one right. side and then three new songs on side A. And then uh, that went really well. And so, uh, yeah, I asked him to do the LP. And so, yeah, he pays me a licensing fee and, and he, he puts out the records there. And yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know what the future holds, but like I, I really enjoy working with him. His name's, the label's called Golden Antenna and his name's Timo. And he put on a show for Coliseum on our first tour, I think, over there, at least first or second. And, um, you know, Planks had worked with him and Ralph highly recommended him. And so, yeah, he, he's great. He's a good guy, man. He's like got that German work ethic, you know, yeah. like, yeah, I was just going to say <laughs> Germans don't mess around, man. That's for sure. No, no, they, they get their shit done and, and he's doing good music. And like, it's just, um, I don't know. It's nice. I mean, it's interesting. It's been an interesting thing like him. And then there's a guy named uh, Zoli who's, our booking agent now and he's in budapest um i'm sure he's done tomb shows in the past but like those two guys are like the 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 people that have over there like believed in photo crime and actively helped us tour and do the records and do everything and it's just been really nice man it's like that's the thing about being alone is like when you're doing it all on your own it's hard and there's only so much you can do and your resources are limited and to have people believe in you and help you out is really fucking nice, man. I mean, that's, you know, that's certainly a thing I miss about Coliseum. Like we were fucking lucky, man. We worked with an endless array of great labels and like all those people worked so hard for Coliseum and, you know, maybe this is why photo crimes didn't get records out with them, but like, Coliseum never sold many records, you know, we were, we were like a small cult band and all those people, nobody ever bat an eye at doing a record with us and, and putting together the money we needed, which wasn't much, but like it was enough. And, and so doing it on my own, it's, it's, it's been a fucking challenge. You know I mean? I've done it. I put out the record myself because that was, that was it. Like I wasn't going to fucking sit and wait or not release a record. Um, but having that support network is really fucking nice, man. And, and those two guys in Europe have been really, I don't know. I'm just really thankful for them. Like, like I can't, I can't thank them enough for, for helping the band, you know, and, and actually the guys at nomads of Prague, like, Oh yeah. Those guys are cool. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like they've, they've helped out and like, in logistical ways and financial ways. And like, they've also kind of made those tours happen and, it's fucking nice, man. I and mean, I just think that there's a belief in music as a culture and people as artists over there that over here, it's just like, you know, I understand it, man, but like, you know, bands take bands on tour because of what the numbers say. hundred percent. You know? Yep. I mean, that's just what it fucking is. And like, so yeah, you know, I might get a little bummed for a minute when I see like, a band I'm friends with, like take out some band. I'm like, Oh man, you know, like be nice state on us, you know, but I'm also like, this means money and this means assurance. And, and there's not a headlining band in the fucking world. That's not concerned about their draw. You know, oh like, yeah, man, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's their fucking, you know, Coliseum was like, it, it's their life. You know, it's their money. It's their fun. It's their everything. So everybody's fucking concerned about that. You know, you want people at the shows. And so taking risks is not really 
part of the game. And I understand that. It's like I, I run a fucking business that sells T-shirts online and I can't take risks. You know, it's like sure. I'm like, I can't put the money down to stock your shirts on the shelves if they're not going to sell, you know, and that's, you know, we're not going to sell a certain amount. And like that fucking sucks because there's all sorts of shit I love that's not going to sell a lot of shirts. And, um, but you know, I don't, you know, that's just how it works. So uh, it's, it's the nature of, of trying to make things happen. So I, I try not to get too, too concerned with that. Nomads of Prague. Did uh, they yes. drive one of your, you, you guys uh, had them for transport on a tour, a couple tours over there? Yeah, they did both the photo crime tours. They've done it. They did every, they've done every tour I've done since 2008, maybe. There was a long tour that was Converge, Integrity, and Coliseum on a Nightliner. And Shepitz, who's one of the owners of Nomads, um, he was the tour manager. He's He's been with, he basically only tours with Converge, shellac and neurosis oh wow and like he's been kind of like the the home base for those guys and he just became i don't know man just became home base for me you know like let me stay at his house drives me to the airport like takes really good care of me and there's no financial reward like yeah i rent the van and gear from him but like you know, not for much money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it's it's like they do it because they care. You know, and and they they make money elsewhere, and so they treat people that treat them well. They treat them to that way, I'm sure. And so there's him, and there's there's a uh, Thomas Mladek, and there's just all these people involved with that that are very good people. You know. Did and, you did you have a driver named Andre by any chance? I've never had Andre, but he yeah. is, uh, I know him. Yeah, yeah he's a good sure. dude, man. He I forgot yeah. which tour he drove us on, but he drove, well, yeah, we, we rented from from Nomads at least once over there. And we got okay. we got Andre, and he's, he's a great guy. He was really cool. Yeah. I mean, they've been amazing. They've stored stuff for me for years. I mean, they store, right now I've got a guitar and a pedal board and a bass and, like, all my sleeping shit. Like, basically my goal is to, when I go over to Europe, to just, bring my clothes yeah you know, and yeah i have to drag all the other shit and they hold on to all that stuff and i told them with the first photo crime tour i was like yo we tour with these two huge pa speakers to power the drum machine and they bought similar ones really for us to rent Damn. yeah and so they rent them to other bands but like he basically was like okay this is what you need i'll get it for you and he did and it's pretty fucking crazy because there are these two huge like stupid pa speakers that you know like yeah. nobody really needs unless you're you know you're doing like front of house sound so see so yeah, that's it's really cool man they, they've, they've also been instrumental in my life as a musician for sure so uh you and i are both uh big movie fans uh did, yeah. you, did you get a chance to check out mandy of course yeah i've got the blu-ray sitting sitting in front of me yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. awesome yeah where, where did you uh do you like uh, beyond the black rainbow as well I do. I really like Beyond the Black Rainbow. I love the score to that movie, and I have the LP and the, the DVD. But I also thought it was a it was a little like um, I don't know. You know, those kind of movies like a lot of them are slow. You know, they're not always like in totally engaging the whole time. And I kind of felt that Beyond the Black Rainbow suffered from that a little bit. Yeah, and I feel like Mandy 
kind of got it all right. Like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's like it's crazy as fuck. It's it's like really visually interesting and beautiful, but it's like funny and freaky and like kind of has it all, man. You know, the score was really fucking good. Like, yeah, it was it was a good movie. It played only one night here in Louisville. And yeah, uh, I got man. to see it in the theater, so it was good. Yeah, I like to think that it's going to pop up again, like at BAM or something in Brooklyn, or you know, it's some. Uh, it, it really had a very. I didn't see it in the theater. I, I I saw it on on Amazon actually. Okay. When it when like when it came out, that you can rent it. So I rented it. But yeah, I, I hope someday to see that on a big screen, just because you know, for the visual presentation right. of it, you know. And, yeah, uh, I feel like it'll come back around. It's going to be a movie that sticks, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, Nicolas Cage, I thought, was, you know, great in that film. And it's tough because he's in a lot of movies now. And um, I just think that he needs a very special director to get performances out of him, you know? Absolutely, man. I mean, I feel like that's true of so many actors. I mean, whether it's like De Niro, like any of those guys that were like, you know, A-list guys and then they, they've got mortgages to keep up and like kids to pay for and shit. So they just keep doing whatever kind of indiscriminately. It's like when they have those great moments, you're like, man, why can't they fucking do this all the time? But (laughs) it's just, you know, they're not, they're not people who are in control of their own destiny. Really? You know, it's kind of weird. It's like you take the opportunities given and yeah, I was rad to see him do something fucking crazy. Like it was nice to see, like, it's kind of like Kurt Russell or people like that. Like, you know, they've got it in them. It's just having that right moment to be like, okay, here's a fucking great movie for this guy, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and a great director too. I mean, you know, like Panos Cosmatos, I think just has like a vision, you know? And, and yeah, you know, there's a few directors that are like that. You know, obviously David Lynch, you know, he's got certain films, you know, certain actors that he works with well and certain that he doesn't, yeah. you know. And yeah. David Fincher's like that too, I feel like, you know, he's Right. He has a very distinct style and makes very distinct demands on the actors, you know. Yeah. But uh, Yeah, I I really like um I don't know, I didn't say his last name, Jeremy Saunier. Yeah. He did Blue Ruin and Green Room like his newest one I thought was a little bit of a misstep. The, um, it's a Netflix original. It's what's it called? Um, I haven't seen it. Okay. It's called hold the dark. Maybe it's, it's a great cast, but it's a little bit, it's not as good as those other two, but I thought blue ruin and green room were both like incredible movies. Yeah. Both of those I've seen and I enjoyed both of them quite a bit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the green room is definitely, uh, I've always felt like I was, I've been really close to having that experience actually. Yeah, man, for sure. It is, it is one of the most tense movies to watch. Cause I'm just like, I feel like I've been so close to this. Like, <laughs> you know, there are certain things like that. Like sometimes I, I have this feeling that like, I've never been to jail or to, been arrested, but sometimes on tour, you just have that feeling of like, I could be arrested at any moment. Like yeah. any number of things could go down. Like, Someone could like throw a glass in my head and I jump in the audience and smash somebody. And next thing you know, I'm in fucking jail or, or whatever, you know, I mean, life, anything can go down, but sometimes movies about going to jail and, and like definitely shit like that, like crazy things happening in a club like that, or just like, yeah, man, I feel like I've been so close to this, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, you know, definitely. Like, especially like in places like Pennsylvania and, right. <laughs> you know, and right. like out in like the wilds of Oregon, you know, and it's like, yeah. I got to say, though, my experiences in Oregon, usually it's just Portland and uh, Eugene that we play in. So I don't really, we're not out in some trailer in the middle of nowhere, right. you know what I mean? And that's, nah. and those people are generally, um, you know, very progressive minded people, you know? Right. I haven't gotten too deep into the woods out there. No, definitely not. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but Ryan, thanks for taking time out. And uh, this is, uh, you know, my first episode of the year. And, oh, um, nice. Yeah, so I'm excited that you could be part of it. And uh, I look forward. Good luck on that tour, man. That's, that sounds thanks, great. Man. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, thank you. And, um, you know, I'm, once again, congratulations on all the good stuff with Photocrime. Thanks, man. Thanks. Great to talk to you. It's been too long. I really, really appreciate it. It's right. Just off the record now, are you um, are you doing anything in the U.S.? Like, do you, are you playing in you know the Northeast or the Tri-State area or anything like that? No, no plans. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know. I just I don't. We've done all. We've done yeah. like New York twice, and we've kind of done it all twice. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I guess I'll kind of wait till there's like another record, you know, and like yeah. see if see if anything comes up. Um, you know, it's all kind of like could do it, but like there's no real reason you know i mean you know there's there's the fun but like i feel like right now i really got to write a record yeah to get to get anything else happening with the band yeah i was kind of going through that last year it's like in 2017 you know we were on the road a lot and i didn't do i didn't write any any material at all and right this past year um you know 2018 was a real challenge for me in a lot of levels but the uh i you know i wrote a bunch of stuff and then just in the last like couple of weeks around the holidays I just really started producing and I was like pretty excited nice. about that but yeah I don't feel like we we got to get that kind of ironed out before we do any kind of significant you know travel or anything right you know so what, what was going on with you last year oh just uh, a bunch of different like a lot of it's like career related stuff a lot of it's okay. uh, financial stuff um there was like some upheavals in the band, you know, and, and, yeah. uh, you know, just things like that. And, right. you know, just, uh, finding, finding a way through that, you know, it's like, you know, just try like, like similar, similar to you, just trying to stick it out and not succumb to certain financial challenges. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. just finding getting creative about ways to like make a living and that kind of stuff, you know? Right. But, um, For sure. before I forget, um, if you have uh, like some choice tracks that you want me to use as intros okay. or outros, and also mm-hmm. uh, you know a couple of options for photos, that would be cool. Okay, you, you could send yeah, those I can over do that to for me. Sure. And yeah, uh, I'll do that. this will go up on Monday because tomorrow's Friday, and no one okay. really Friday's a bad day to release stuff. Right. At least, okay. at least in this medium, you know. Right. Yeah. Cool, man. All right, man. Well, um, well, thank you. Enjoy yeah, the rest of you. Yeah, I hope yeah. to, man. I I feel like every time that you've been through New York, I haven't been able to come to the show, and right. um, it's like it's a drag because I really want it. I was thinking about me and Randy um, Larson. I think he went yeah. to your show in Boston, right? I want to say that I Randy I went. I don't to remember. That. 
I don't think so because that last show in Boston, there was like a crazy ass storm. Because you talked to me about you guys possibly coming up. Yeah, me and Randy and, were thinking about driving up to that because there yeah. was another. Once again, there was a reason why I couldn't see you in in, in New York. Yeah. And we were like, well, oh, let's go to the Boston show. And Randy's like one of these guys who he'll, he'll drive like you know he has no problem driving. I mean, he lives in the middle of nowhere, so he'll drive okay. drives everywhere to shows. <laughs> But we, I, yeah. yeah, I don't think, I think, I know I didn't go, obviously, but I, I guess he didn't go either, so. I don't, I don't remember seeing him, yeah, it was like crazy fucking storm the whole day, it was a fucking nightmare of a day. That might have been why so, we didn't go, actually. Yeah, yeah, that'd be, that'd be why, for sure. But yeah, man, I hope so, and yeah, let me know if you're coming through here, of course, I'd be rad to see you either way. Hell yeah, you know, and uh, even, you know, Evan's got a lot of cool stuff going too, man, with JGL, and, you know. It's, yeah, I mean, Evan's kind of, his, I mean, his his shit's going pretty well it seems like i mean his you know he and emma got married and, and he's on her record and so they've been touring non-stop and they're about to just go like crazy again in a few months it's like he tours with her and then he tours on his own he young widows does a short tour and it's just kind of like he's i think he's feeling a little bit of like the weirdness of like all my dreams are kind of coming true in terms of touring but like <laughs> it's so fucking hard you know like, yeah He's texting me in Europe. He's like, man, all the drives are so long. And I'm like, yo, but you're not driving. And all the shows with him are sold out. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. I'm like, don't fucking lose perspective. You know, I'm like, in, in the States, we all drive forever and we play into shitty shows. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I've driven 13 hours to play with 13 people a million times in my life. So don't, don't fucking cry when the show's sold out, you know? So, yeah. But he's doing good. I mean, people are digging what he's doing. So it's cool. Yeah, I should catch up with him. I um I saw him like this is this is at least a year has over a year okay. because uh they, he was when Pelican played in New York, uh I wanna say that J J L was on that. And that's okay. where and that's where I saw Evan. Cool. Yeah, and you know, and once again, like like you and I stay I feel like stay in better touch, but I'd like to, you know, reconnect with Evan at some point. Yeah, that'd be awesome then you should for sure. Yeah. All right, man, so cool. enjoy the rest of your day. All right, you too. Thanks, Mike. Take care, Ryan. Bye. Later, dude.